1: All right. Hey, what's going on, Dave?
0: Hey, Paul. We're back, man. Not not much. I'm uh, enjoying a nice, quiet house right now. All the the kids are are not in the house, so makes it easy to record another episode with you.
1: Yeah, Tammy's downstairs with our kids playing the game of life. Oh yeah, not not Monopoly. Have they played Monopoly. They yep. They play Monopoly. Uh, I think I need to get the game like Cash Flow for kids or something eventually. Um, Yeah. I've played that that. The adult version.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the kids version would be really good. I haven't done that, but, um, I've, I've heard only good things. So it's a great idea. It's just a matter of keeping the kids at a board game entertained for long enough for them to learn something because they're so used to being stimulated visually and, uh, audibly in every other way that board games are difficult for them these days.
1: Yeah, folks might get a laugh. That door just cracked open and one of them just poked his head in here. But <laughs> recording yeah. at home. Yep, that's the life. <laughs> 2021. Yeah. All right, about to
0: be 2022. Well, hey, why don't we, uh, I'll recap a little bit of what we talked about last episode. And then we'll move into what we're going to talk about today. Um, so on the last episode, we just, which was episode two, this is episode three. We we're just talking about. Um, infinite banking, what it is uh, from a high level. And then, you know, we talked about that you finance everything you buy. You either pay interest to an outside source to borrow money, or you lose the opportunity to earn interest on your own money when you pay cash, right? So it's, it's kind of a working on that paradigm shift of how people view money and especially opportunity cost and paying cash for things which seems to be a popular mantra from the financial entertainer sector. And we talked about uh, some examples, how it, it's kind of like a, a mortgage and a HELOC and talk about buying cars, financing cars through the policy. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, go back. It's a, it's a good one and set you up for success with this episode as well. Um, and this one, we'll really be talking more about the, the solution. What, you know, how, how are these policies created? Uh, functionally, practically, how do you utilize them? You know, maybe that's that's where we'll start. So we talked the problem. Now let's offer a solution, which is dividend paying, you know, properly structured dividend paying whole life insurance. Um, so Paul, why don't you just kind of go with, you know, how these things are structured, how we create these in the first place, maybe.
1: Well, I think first and foremost, and again, I sent this in the last episode I'm going to repeat myself a lot because some things bear repeating. I think if coming into this fresh, knowing nothing about IBC, the first thing one needs to do is read the book "Becoming Your Own Banker." Maybe read uh, how privatized banking really works. Maybe read the case for IBC. Um, That is essential, right? And I don't know. I don't know about you, Dave, but that is generally when I'm getting with a new, a new client. Before we get into the, the weeds, we're not doing any illustrations. We're not doing any of that stuff. They, they've got to read the book first. So I think that's like step zero is read Becoming Your Own Banker several times.
0: Right. It's it's education, then, you know, follow that's, up, uh, ask for. Yeah, that's always the first step in my process. And every time I skip that step with a new prospect or client, uh, it it bites both of us in the rear at the end of the process because they get cold feet because they don't really understand what they're getting into. And at that case, I don't want them to get into it uh, because they didn't do the work on the front end of getting educated to understand why they would want to do it in the first place.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great point. So read Becoming Our Banker. It's going to take several reads. It's a short 92 page book, but there's a lot of golden nuggets in there. And the, you know, if you really want to understand the essence of IBC. Uh, an understanding of infinite banking by reading that book is is essential to to moving forward so that's you know the first the first step um, The second step I think is you need to find someone that you can work with and that can work with you um, and I think it needs to be it should be an infinite bank in authorized infinite banking concepts practitioner from the Nelson Nash Institute there's at last count Dave. Is there is there 600 of us? Maybe 500? I, I don't know. Yeah, in the country? something like that. Not a lot. It's not. I was there's not a lot. Uh, I snuck in just under the 500 mark, I believe. So there's not a lot of us. Um, but you can look us up through, I you know, infinite on the practitioner finder. You can find someone in your area. You can find someone that's referred, you know, maybe was referred to you. You can read about us on that website and get to get to know who we are anyway so that's like step two find yourself an authorized infinite banking concepts practitioner and then and then from there you know the education um it never stops um you're gonna do I'd, i'd say this as both a client first and then an agent the more that your agent knows about you and your and your your dreams what you do for a living what your income is do you save money what what is your current investment portfolio look like are you a 401k IRA person? Are you all those things, you know, what do you pay on homeowners insurance, car insurance, you know, all these things go into being able to properly design because all these policies that we design for our clients are all custom made. There's, there's, they're all custom made for that family or that, or that individual. Okay. So that's, that's important. Um, and then once you, once you kind of get to that point and you know, the education's there and your agent has kind of, I want my clients to to be a hundred percent comfortable and knowledgeable about what they're about to do because it is atypical. what we teach people to do is outside the mainstream and again, I think I said this on episode one like your uncle Bob's gonna be like, "Oh my gosh, that's a terrible idea, man. <laughs> don't do that <laughs> You have to get over that, right so I think you know from there, once you understand the why, the how becomes easy and do we do we want to talk about we don't want to talk about policy design at this point, Dave. I don't think.
0: No, but, uh, no, not policy design. Maybe just a practical. What are the mechanics of it? You know, from the flow of dollars from my pocket through the policy to the you know to yeah. making an investment. But hey, let me say something real quick about. You keep saying the word agent, so I think I don't think we've explained this before. Um, when Paul or I say agent, it's we're talking. We are life insurance agents. We're we're um, licensed life insurance agents and in, can really licensed in all 50 states if we have clients in all 50 states. Um, but uh, also, not every agent, not every life insurance agent is a infinite banking concepts practitioner, right? But every authorized practitioner is an agent. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's correct. So uh, so when we say agent, we're talking life insurance agent and ideally the practitioner who you're working with to help set up your, your, uh, specially designed policies.
1: No, great. That's, that's a great point. Um, so we touched upon it in episode two, how you, you know, how you get started. You're, you're past the, you're past the education process. Now you're ready to go and apply for life insurance. You're, you've sat down with your, your practitioner, your agent, and you've designed a policy or series of policies for you and your family. Now it's time to now it's time to pay a premium and you have multiple choices on how you pay. We both have clients that pay monthly. We have clients that pay annually. There's no right or wrong way. It's whatever fits your personal um, personal situation. Right. So you're going to you're going to get your policy, go through underwriting when I say underwriting. Right. So life insurance, you have to qualify to get it. You have to be healthy enough to receive it. And there's different kind of health levels. You know, most, I would say most people are standard ratings, which is just fine. People kind of get upset when they're not super preferred or preferred or it doesn't well, matter. Most
0: people are average. I mean, it, that's just a fact of the matter, because uh, that's what average means is the majority of people. And yeah, you're right. The majority of people are standard.
1: It's just the way it is. That's the way it is. Um, the the whole point oh, is to, you know, get through underwriting Um you know, the, the life insurance company is going to want to know about your your income level to make sure that you're not you cannot be over Right. We can't you can't take a thirty thousand dollar car and have one hundred thousand dollars of insurance on it. Right. There never that's that's not something you and likewise for for human beings. We only have so much what's called human life value in the life insurance industry. And that's based on a combination of either your net worth or your income. So generally life insurance companies look at you as working until age sixty five. So if you're a 30 year old man or woman, you can get, you know, your income times probably 30 or 35 times your income in in death benefit. So that's your kind of your human life value, right? It's your, you know, your future earning potential. Right. So you get through all that, you get through the underwriting, you get approved. Yeah. Your agent will issue the policy to you. We'll, we'll, We'll go through a review with you to make sure you understand everything and you'll sign the contract. Um, we deliver our policies generally, um, you know, my clients are in different states, just like yours. Sometimes there'll be e-delivery if they' can be delivered in person because they're local clients. Of course, we deliver them in person. Um, and then you begin paying premium um, either monthly or, or, or annually. And that's when that, you know, that equity, it builds immediately. Two weeks after you pay your premium, sometimes less time, there's cash value showing up on your online portal that you can see and touch and access if you need to. And we'll we'll probably do another another episode on on policy design. There's a way to capture lump sums of premium in the first year and, and other ways. Not necessary. A lot of people that's one of the fallacies, Dave. A lot of people think you have to be one rich to do infinite banking, and two, pay a, you know, a ton of premium. But I'll tell you this, everyone starts where they're at. Right. right. Not everyone is going to be paying the premium that you or I pay, maybe, or that some other person pays. You start where you're at. And that's why these are individually tailored. So, um, and you'll, you'll get more comfortable
0: with it as time passes and ideally create a whole series of policies. I think Nelson, uh, before he retired from this earth had at one point in his life, it was something like 40 something policies. Maybe I don't know the exact number, but yes, um, that's a lot of policies, right? And we'll talk about how you can actually get that many policies, um, but yeah, like you said, and you're talking about paying premiums, you know, another thing we like to say, you're, you're capitalizing your your bank, right? You're, you're capitalizing your system. So that's, if you think about it like that, and that's just another paradigm shift that people who, who jump on board with this concept realize they're capitalizing something. They're not paying, it's not an expense to them. It's a, a capitalization. So different
1: words. Right. It's I guess this might be like a quick time to just talk about my personal experience. Cause we had similar backgrounds, but you know, I, I was paying whole life premium for years from 2003 to 2000, uh, 2019, right. With vanilla whole life. But I looked, I viewed those premiums as, as, as a liability, right. A necessary kind of a necessary expense. Um, and now, now that I have properly structured whole life insurance, I look at, you know, I've often said this, my infinite banking policies are my favorite asset that I have, yep. um, by, by far, because I know what they're going to do. I know they're going to be there for me and my family. And that's, um, it's a nice place to nice place to be when, uh, when opportunity arises as well. So,
0: right. And, and we will get into the actual structural, structural design of the policies in a later episode, but, uh, yeah, Let's just compare the, our, the policies that we create and uh, that Nelson advocates to use as a banking system versus the policy that you got all those years ago, a whole life policy, which I had one too. I think I started a, a typical just vanilla whole life policy in 2004 and had it for about two years until I decided, hey, I'm just going to get rid of this it's stupid and and you know buy term and invest the difference I bought term and I never invested the difference um, so and then I realized hey there's an actual better way to utilize these policies so the way we design it is completely different than than you've ever thought about life insurance so a typical person and this is where the whole paradigm shift comes in and flipping everything on its head in the insurance world we're usually trying to get the most, insurance coverage for the least amount of premium, right? What we do is the exact opposite. We're trying to pay as much premium for the least amount of death benefit possible. And you'll understand why that's the case after you read a book or after you listen to a few more episodes of this podcast. Um, But it's all about creating a banking system. And by structuring it that way, you're able to accelerate the cash value and start utilizing it for all of the, your your lifestyle financing. So, I'll, I'll I'll let you take it from there, Paul.
1: Now that's a great point. You know the, the structure of of IBC style policies is very important. Most whole life policies will not create any cash until about year three. Um, I know that that was the case for for my my old ones, and of course that I was paying as little premium as I could for as much death benefit as I could get. So that there just wasn't any appreciable amount of cash I could utilize for anything. Right. Um, y- you know what I mean? So, so I guess, you know, where does the paradigm shift? I think that's an important, I'd like to, I'm going to speak on that for a sec. I think that's important because I, I think it, you know, I read, I read these books when you sent them to me out of, out of the blue and immediately took massive action not as massive as i should have right i hung i hung on to that thrift savings plan for another another year or so but right yep. uh, you were you were, you were trying to convince me otherwise like hey why are you doing that and i was like well i don't know i don't really have a good answer either um so where does the premium dollars come from right where do people where are you saving your money is the question you need to ask yourself are you um do you have savings like where's your emergency fund where's you know the money you sock away every month um, for next year's vacation or whatever. So I think it's important to talk about if you did nothing else, but just changed where you put your savings, right, you're going to be in a far better position um, over the long term than you otherwise would have been. So I think that's important to understand. You know, we don't need to create additional cash flows to pay premium. We can use current dollars that we're already saving. We just put them in a different asset class. So when we, often we hear Dave, you know, compared to, you know, people want to compare paying premium, building cash value and life insurance to their S and P 500 index fund, or their 401k or their IRA. And it's, that's not an apples to apples comparison, right? Like we want to compare this to other safe, quote, safe liquid, assets. Is that, is that right?
0: Yeah. And the only one I can think of would be a savings account. You know, I mean, that's really, the way I view this is that's all it is. It's a different place to save your money. Uh, your money has to reside somewhere. So why not find the most efficient uh, and beneficial place for your money to reside while, and, and the great part about this, it's, it's while you're waiting to use it and while you're using it. So that's, that's the big difference between this and a savings account, too, is the savings account, when you use your money for something, it's no longer in the savings account. It's gone being used for something else. If you save your money in one of these specially designed policies, when you access those liquid funds to use for whatever you want, investing or buying a car, putting a down payment on a house, you haven't used your money. Your money is still safely inside the account earning for you the whole time. You're just leveraging it. So, um, but yeah, comparing, cause we always want to compare something to something else, especially in the financial world. So if you want to compare this to anything, it's a savings account. Paul and I will never, ever, ever say that life insurance is an investment. Anybody who says that I recommend you turn around and walk away because they don't understand the purpose of life insurance. What do you think, Paul?
1: no i think I think that's spot on right. We want to compare we want do fair comparisons. um it doesn't mean that the cash value that I'm accumulating, the capital that I'm building inside my six policies um is not going to be invested. That's not what it means. It just it's being put there first before it goes and does whatever I want it to do, whether that was finance a car purchase, finance a passive income stream and um and you know producing investment or something like that. so. I think this is where it's important to talk about uninterrupted. We talk about compound interest, but I like I like John, um, John and John. They, you know, they said uninterrupted compound interest is perhaps the ninth wonder of the world. I, I was listening to their podcast the other day, and I liked right. I liked that. So people don't realize just because you have you take a you leverage your cash value you take a policy loan from the life insurance company your cash value inside your policy is untouched it is continuing to earn interest and if there's a dividend declared which there's a very good dividend history with these mutual life insurance companies it is still earning all of that while it's doing something else for you as well on the side what whatever that thing is so very, very powerful tool. And if you can understand that, you can you can definitely become your own banker.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we'll always say when we talk about taking loans, we say we, we take a loan against our cash value. We'll never say, and if we do, it's a mistake and it's by accident. But a lot of people say when you take a cash value loan or a loan from your cash value, they're using the improper terminology because... I want you to picture in your minds two piles of money. On the right side, that pile of money is yours. It's got your name on it. And you have an equal pile, same size on the left side. That's got the insurance company's name on it. Anytime you want to access any of that cash you've built up, you're going to go to the left side, the insurance company's pile of money, and borrow their money. Yours is going to stay untouched, earning uninterrupted compound growth. Just like Paul said, like compound growth is a great thing, but how's that work in the stock market when you lose 30% one year? Right now you're compounding on 70% of what you had before. That's not great. So is that really compound growth? I mean, how about uninterrupted compound growth? <laughs> the ninth wonder of the world. I've never heard that before. That's good.
1: Yeah. I, that's why I stole it from them. So good on you, John. So <laughs> yeah it's it's so important to it's so important to consider that that um and i think that's one of the fallacies a lot you hear that all the time is i have to pay to borrow my own money with this infinite banking thing and you know um, you know uncle bob told him that unfortunately like hey you have to pay to to get your own money well that's not true right we just explained it so dave great Great descriptive, even on the, on the video here, that was, I was like daydreaming here, picturing it in my mind, the two piles of cash.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could have yeah, made no, it were, more, were, uh, you know, using I, more adjectives, you know, big sweaty wads of dripping wet cash. You know, if, if you make things really crazy <laughs> in your mind, you remember it. So make that picture as, as crazy as you want, cause it'll stick with you. And that's what you need to remember though. You're never taking your own cash ever. Unless you take a surrender, which we would never recommend you do.
1: So, yeah. I, yeah. I wanted to talk about that. So we're talking with infinite banking, right? We're talking about leveraging our money through the use of the policy loan feature that, that is part of your contract. People ask, clients ask, hey, can I, can I take withdrawals out someday if I want to? I say, yes, you you can do that. But let's look at your your guaranteed growth on your illustration here, and just say if you withdrew $100,000 out of this 20 years from now, you have now interrupted the compounding of the future by that amount of money. Why would you want to do that? And once you show them that kind of in what the policy is going to do, especially is it your policy gets more efficient every day, whole life insurance, dividend paying whole life insurance gets more efficient as it gets older it'll be the most efficient on the day you graduate right yep so if that's true which which it is don't interrupt your compounding use the policy loan feature and and dave you probably find this to be true right people hear policy loan and they think amortized mortgage amortized car payment type loan and we've kind of talked about how the policy loan works where it's One, there's no payment schedule, repayment schedule. You pay back on your own, but it's a simple interest loan as well. So it functions, and this is for my real estate investing audience here, it functions more like an interest-only home equity line of credit, interest-only HELOC, because when you make a payment, right, that's going to mostly principal. And some companies, right, they're they're calculating the interest every day, but it's actually charged in arrears on the anniversary of that policy loan. So that's... That's kind of the mechanics, maybe a little too into the weeds, but all I'll say is this, the bottom line, it is a very favorable borrowing position to be in.
0: Yep. Yeah. And when people, when you talk about, so here's what I would say, even if you were going to spend your own cash on something, it's important that you understand that that cash has value. Like people, it's called economic value add. Uh, It's a little more than something we want to get into on this episode But it's the fact that your cash, your savings actually has value and you should always treat your own money as if you were borrowing it from someone else and assign a value to it. So if you were going to take, oh, I saved up all this money, I'm going to go put it towards this investment because I'm going to get 3% return on it. Well, okay, you could view that as all profit, but really how you should view that is that 3% is not good enough because... My money actually has value and costs attached to using it. So, I need it by putting it over here in these life insurance contracts. It's made me, and maybe Paul, you could, it's done the same for you. It's made me a much more savvy investor and a much more patient investor because now I know I have to pay interest to borrow the insurance company's money to go do my investing. So now, like there's nothing, nowhere I put my money where I get less than double digit return on it and a very, very secure return. You know, I don't, I don't do stock market. Uh, I don't do speculative investing uh, unless I'm completely okay with losing that money. But it's made me a much more savvy, much more patient investor. But what's funny is I don't have to be patient anymore because these opportunities come by so often that as soon as I have cash built up that I'm ready to deploy, and put to use, there's an opportunity there waiting for it. So um, I don't know, is that your experience too, Paul?
1: It's it's totally been my experience, especially you know I started and you know I switched my strategy from you know retirement planning as far as an accumulation strategy to a cash flow strategy where I'm I'm building cash flow now, just like just like you have been doing and and yeah, absolutely, you see things totally differently. I don't send out money now um to any opportunity that doesn't produce a cash flow so i've i've really i've gone away from that accumulation strategy just because you know and we'll talk about this again in future episodes but it's like all right you've accumulated two million dollars you're 65 now what right and we mentioned that in either i think in the first episode but so yeah it, it it totally changes your lens your mindset for sure um and especially for for you business owners and real estate investors I mean anybody can do this but especially people that have that understand the importance of monthly cash flow from various right. sources. It's yep. it's super important. And then I think
0: most business owners would say cash flow is king. Cuz you can have a profitable business but if you don't have cash flow to keep it afloat, you're not going to have a business too much longer.
1: That's right. That's what we saw with a bunch of these investment banks in 2008. They ran out of cash.
0: Yep. Cash on hand. So, well, I think that's good. Do you got any parting shots here, Paul, before we cut this one off and uh, we'll save a lot of this good stuff that we alluded to for the next episode?
1: No, I'd say, you know, pick up Nelson's book. You know, if you talk to us, we're going to tell you to get it anyway. So if you're going to, if you plan on reaching out to us eventually, you might as well pick it up now and, and have, you know, I've read it before you. And I did you know, all, all of my clients will tell you that was literally the first requirement I had. They had to read that book and then we had to talk about it. Right. So I would, that's my parting shot, I guess. Pick up Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. Um, I think, I actually think they're out of stock right now on Amazon. Wow. Um, but I th- i think there's going to be more available soon. Well, you so, could always go
0: to anyway, infinitebanking.org
1: and yeah, order directly from the
0: store. But that's great advice. And in fact, I would I'd re-attack and even add to that saying, if you want to reach out and, and talk about moving forward with something like this, and you haven't read that book, we're going to tell you, go read that book and then come back. We're not going to work with somebody who doesn't know why they're doing it. Uh, and one of those books is the first step. So do yourself a favor, do your family a favor, get one of those, read it, and then reach out if you have more questions.
1: Now that's, that's great. Um, and, and literally that's folks, that was our journey, right? Dave, Dave here was my, was my agent once upon a time. And he sent me, uh, that book and, and one other and out of the blue with no context. And I read it and I I can tell you, I am glad he did. And I would just wish he had done it back in 2013 when we met. (laughs) Um, That would have been better, Dave. Sitting next to each other in Afghanistan, having a lot of other
0: conversations that uh, probably aren't fit to be redistributed to the, to the public, but yeah. Not to the uh,
1: general public. Not to the
0: general public. No. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, right on. Well, Hey, good seeing you, Paul. Uh, Looking forward to the next episode. And um, yeah, if you guys wanna leave a review, please do. Five star review um, and send us your questions through the email in the show notes and we'll be happy
1: to answer anything you have. Sounds good, great way to end it. I appreciate it, Dave, and uh, I'll I'll see you soon. All right, have a great day, see you. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle in a future episode, please send us an email to davidandpaul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star
0: review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.